Are you ready to have a deep, abiding relationship, no matter the circumstances, with your King? Amen. Well, it's great to be here with you. It's great to be worshiping men, whether we're here in person, rallied together, or we're joining online. We're just fired up to make much of Jesus Christ. So happy Labor Day weekend as we go after it. Man, we are launching a new sermon series today, and we're going after a kind of a a theme for the year. We don't do this very often, but the last, really the last couple of years, it sort of lined out for that. And for this year, we're going after the theme of a John 15 life. What does it mean to have a John 15 life with our God? What does it mean to draw life from the one who is the true vine? And so we started last week with just kind of a one-off sermon to set the tone for the whole year. And as we looked at John 15 and all that Jesus calls us to, right, he says, I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser or the gardener. You are the branches. Draw life from me. Man, this is our call out. That we walk through life and it's not just some aimless wandering, it's not just some self-absorbed me moments, but it is, Lord, may you get all the glory as I draw life from you and give it back to you with all I've got. Ready? And all of God's people said, amen, man, that's a huge call out. May this church be on fire for Jesus Christ. May we draw life from him, maybe like never before. Man, he gives us four simple commands, four simple call-outs in John 15. Abide in me and let my word abide in you. Abide, draw life, spend time with, deep relationship with, abide. And then ask, pray, power pray, trusting and leaning on him. After the abide, ask. And then obey hearing my word, knowing what I have to say. Like, as God pours it out, may we listen to him, may we hear from him, may we respond to him, obey. Abide, ask, obey, and then love. Love one another, pour it into the world. As God fills us up, may it spill over and spill out to the streets. May we love those around us. And that's what we're going after, those four words. Abide, ask, obey, love. Ready? Abide, ask, obey, love. Say it loud, say it big. Abide, ask, obey, love. That's our battle cry. And so we're going to start with the abide word, and we're going to spend some weeks here on that concept. What does it mean to abide with him? What does it mean to spend relational time with him, to follow him with all we've got, all right? So we're gonna do an abide series, then an ask series, then an obey series, and a love series with a Christmas series and an Easter series thrown in, right? So that's our year, that's where we're headed. May God get all the glory. So as we dive in today to beginning to learn what it means to abide, we're gonna learn what it means to follow him with all we've got. We're gonna turn to the book of John. Turn with me, if you will, to John chapter one, starting in verse 43. John chapter 1, starting in verse 43. And as we start to go after this concept of abide, we're going to go after the follow me statements in the Gospel of John. Now remember, John is the one writing the Gospel of John, how well named, right? 
So the Gospel of John, written by John, that's the same guy who wrote the book of Revelation. It means he loves the number seven. And so we're going to be going after this follow me. It turns out there's seven follow me's in the Gospel of John. And we're going to go through those as we pack those together in some sermons here, all right? So the seven follow me's as we get going with the first one in John chapter one. Let's get started today learning what it means to abide with our King, to follow Him, to spend life with Him, deep relational time, no matter the circumstance, abiding with our God. All right, point number one, follow Jesus, the Lamb of God. Don't be confused by His humility. Follow Jesus, the Lamb of God. Don't be confused by His humility. You know, the world sells that you look for a giant personality, a big self-proclaimer, a massive prideful soul, and that is not it at all. We have the God of the universe humbling himself and stepping into this world. Don't miss his greatness in the midst of his humility, all right? So follow Jesus. As we get going here, as we start out in chapter 1, verse 43, we got to make sure we know what's going on. In the beginning of chapter 1, we see Jesus introduced as the Word of God. In fact, He is called the Word, the one who is God, the one who dwells with God, who forever has been God. Jesus Christ is God. Everybody say, is God. God. Right? And so that's where John 1 starts out. This is who we're talking about. The one who has been God forever, Jesus Christ. He has become flesh and dwelt among us, stepped down into this world. He is our hope. He is our king. Jesus, flesh among us, humbled himself and became a man. More than that, more than those two pieces, it says then, as he began to walk on this earth and have ministry here, in the beginning, his ministry started with him stepping up with John by the Jordan River, and a different John, John the Baptist. And as he's standing there with John the Baptist, they're talking through things, and John the Baptist baptizes him. Jesus, as an adult, making clear where he stands and what he's following, getting baptized. By the way, just so you know, that's what we're doing in a couple weeks too. We're gonna have some baptism coming, and man, if you have a faith in Jesus Christ and you're taking a clear stand and you have not since been baptized, man, this is for you. Come join us. Let's get you signed up. Let's have you a part of the service. It is a powerful time of celebration for what God is doing in lives, all right? So baptism service coming up on the 24th. Don't miss that. Jesus was baptized as he took a stand for what he was going after. And uh, a day later, as Jesus is walking along, John the Baptist actually points to him and says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And there were followers of John the Baptist who were like, well, then I'm following him. And went on to follow with Jesus. As John the Baptist is making clear who Jesus is, the Lamb of God, the hope of all, there were some who even began to follow right away. It says after that, Jesus began to pursue and to kind of build his discipleship, his followers. And uh, Peter and Andrew were the first two to accept and come along to begin to follow him. So we now have Jesus making clear who he is. We have John the Baptist declaring out who he is. We have a couple of followers, and that's where we're picking it up, all right? So starting in John chapter 1, verse 43, here we go. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. 
This is right after Peter and Andrew decided to follow. Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and prophets wrote. Let's just hold right there. It says the next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. The next day. Like Jesus is in a build the ministry, get ready, here we go mode. He's beginning to pull people together. He's already got Peter and Andrew following him. It says he decided to go to Galilee. Now, if you remember, I had said he was uh, on the Jordan River. He was baptized there. And so from the Jordan River, it's just a handful of miles up to the north to get to the Sea of Galilee, all right? So he went up to the Sea of Galilee to be able to make the next steps of where he was headed. It says he went to the Sea of Galilee and he found Philip. Everybody say, he found. Hang on for that. It'll come up in just a second again, all right? Jesus found Philip and he said, follow me. What did he say? Know this, our God loves us. He loves you with all he's got. Our God has stepped into this world and he is making himself known. And he calls us to follow him. Personal invite, massive importance. We have the privilege of knowing the king of the universe. Man, Philip is being called to follow. And uh, this specifically is about Philip being called But if you jump to Revelation 22, verse 17, you don't have to turn there, but Revelation 22, verse 17, it says, the spirit and the bride say, come. Man, at the end of Revelation, it is a massive invite to all. Come, trust in Jesus, follow him. This is more than just Philip being invited. We all have this privilege of hearing him say, come, praise be to God. May we abide in him. May we draw life from him. May we learn from him and grow from him. Just like Philip was called to do. Jesus said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. And uh, Bethsaida, it's just picture like the Jordan River. You go up a little bit, you get to the Sea of Galilee, which is like my Bible, all right? Sea of Galilee right here. And Bethsaida is kind of top side, top right side, all right? So it's up on the Sea of Galilee, top right side, up over there. And he's like, just to make it clear, that's where Peter and Andrew were were from. So he's already drawn a couple of people from one town, and he's going after some people who know each other. Philip from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Now, Philip found Nathanael. Do you notice the plan? When God rocks our world, he asks us to start to share with others just what we know about Jesus and inviting people to come along for the ride. And he's like, Nathaniel, I, I got to tell you something. Philip finds Nathaniel and says to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and prophets wrote. We have found him of whom Moses wrote. Moses was saying, look, there's going to be one who comes after me who's greater than me. There's going to be one who comes after me that's a prophet that's going to rule forever. 
And as he rules, this one is going to be one that you will not believe as a leader. He is going to so unbelievably change Israel. There is one coming who is going to be phenomenal. And they had been looking for him for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And all of a sudden, Messiah is in their presence. That's who we're talking about is the Messiah. And Philip uh, found Nathanael and he says, we have found. What did he say? He's like, hey, we found him. Now remember earlier, Jesus went and found Philip. It is amazing how that works, isn't it? How God reaches into our life. God sets up circumstances. God introduces us to him. God blows us away. And as our eyes get opened, we call that finding him. Right? But the reality is, he's the one who's finding us. He's the one who's calling out. He's the one who's crying out. May God get all the glory. Philip, the fair statement would be to say, my eyes were opened. And all of a sudden, I'm recognizing who this one is. This is the Messiah of the Old Testament. This is who we've hoped for. And then he gives a little bit more information about him. He says, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Uh, just so you know, that is a very unimportant set of words. Like what he didn't say is king of some area, right? He didn't say king of, he didn't say the one who rules over. He didn't say the one who is so dominant as a commander in chief in an army. And now he's like, there's this guy and he's from, you know, he's from Nazareth and he's the son of a carpenter. That guy, that's the one. People didn't have last names, and so they typically were attached to by the town they came from or their parents or the job that they did. And he's like, that's who I'm talking about. You got to imagine as he's like, Nathaniel, I have found the Messiah. And Nathaniel's like, seriously? And he's like, yeah, it's Jesus of Nazareth, you know, the son of the carpenter from that small town. He's like, you got to imagine the face of Nathaniel. <laughs> As that gets said to him, come on, man. In fact, here's literally what he says. Nathaniel says, dude, can anything good come from Nazareth? That's literally a statement. He's like, I found the Messiah. He's from Nazareth. Come on, man. That little town, there's nothing that comes out of Nazareth. There's nothing good that can come from Nazareth. And you know, everywhere you grow up, there's one of those towns right? I mean, it's like around here when you say, no way am I saying that word. <laughs> what were you thinking of? I didn't put that in your head, right? But just so we're clear, that is what we're talking about. There's a town, there's a place, and everybody's got a thought and different thoughts in different ways, but that can't be good. And he's like, Nazareth? Seriously? you got to be kidding. And Philip said to him, well, let me convince you with an unbelievable argument. I have five points to my argument, and everybody say, not that. Philip said, dude, just come and see. Just spend a moment with the Savior. I'm telling you, all he said to me was, follow me, and I'm in. There is something different going on.
come and see. Man, the best invite we can give to the world is not a convincing argument from ourselves, but a welcoming in to be in the presence of the power of Jesus Christ as he moves in this world. To invite someone in to a service where God is stirring in this room and he is teaching us and training us and shaping us and to just say, just come and see and let him show you who he is. It's like Nathaniel, just come and see and check it out. I just wrote these words down. When introducing someone to Jesus, it's not an argument, it's an invite. When introducing somebody to Jesus, it's not an argument, it's an invite. And allow Jesus to show himself as stunning. Allow him to reveal himself. May God get all the glory. So what does it look like to follow Jesus? What does it look like for us to come to Jesus? I just wrote these words down. Top four steps in coming to Jesus. Top four steps. You may want to write this down. Ready? Top four steps. Where does it begin? First one, just the phrase, open my eyes, Lord. Open my eyes. Where does it begin? Lord, help me see. Open my eyes, Lord. That is the most powerful, humble prayer you could ever say. God, I'm ready to be stirred. I'm ready to learn what it is to abide in you. What am I missing? Open my eyes that I might see who you are. Here's the second one. Lord, now show me you in your word. Like I'm ready to dive into your word, the Bible. Show me you in your word, please, when you open up the word. It's great to read daily. It's great to read regularly. Don't read for information. Read for transformation. Don't read so that you can just gather more facts. And if you ever happen to be in a Bible trivia night at somebody's house, you know a few things. Everybody say, not that. Dude, don't read for that. Read so that when you're reading through, you're like, Lord, introduce me to you. Show me you in your word. May I be rocked with who you are. Daily, that's your journey. God, just show me you. That's all I want to see. Maybe step three, show me you in the church services and wherever you're going to church. But if this is your church home, Lord, as I show up here at Summit, God, rock me with what you have to say. Lord, show me who you are. God, I'm ready to set down whatever I need to set down. Show me you. And I will worship with all I have. Lord, open my eyes. Show me you and your word daily. Lord, show me you in these services as you and the Holy Spirit begin to move. May you get all the glory. And number four, and Lord, I commit myself to you today, now. Abiding takes a decision at some point. It's not, Lord, I'll commit to you tomorrow. It's, Lord, I commit now. I am in. Nothing held back. I see who you are. You've opened my eyes. I'm beginning to learn maybe just a little bit, but Lord, it's different than what I had, and it's growing. I'm getting it. I'm in right now. 
And that's following, that's abiding. Having your eyes opened and taking a step with the king. May God get all the glory. You know, this past week, as I was looking for an illustrate, I ran into this. There was a, an eye surgeon who uh, wrote a book called Catching the Light. Catching the Light. And uh, he was a phenomenal eye surgeon, and he spoke of miracles that happened with eye surgeries that he did. People who really could see nothing, and all of a sudden, they had the miracle of being able to take in color and shape and distance and all the rest. He was replacing corneas for people who couldn't see, which was a very, very um, difficult surgery and a lot of detail with the nerves that had to be connected, all the rest. So he was replacing corneas. But one thing he noticed is when people had not been able to see since birth, like congenital, oftentimes when he would change the cornea out, they still could see nothing. And he was like, I'm just telling you, the eye is physically functioning now. And there's light in the room, but it's not working. He said it this way, light and even working eyes were not enough for them to see. The light of day beckoned, but no light of the mind replied. The mind must be opened to this new ability. And that's something that has to be taught. Man, the reality is the light of the world is Jesus Christ. And he is beaming forth. And man, as God steps into our presence, as he begins to do a work and the surgery of the soul, and we can begin to see him as he is, there is a moment where we have to step across, where our mind has to be engaged, our heart has to be in. We gotta say, okay, Lord, enough of me and on with you. I'm ready to see you as you are. And it'll ignite a whole different thing in your life. It is an amazing gift to be able to see spiritually. May we respond humbly and have God do a huge work in us. And all of God's people said, simple question, are your eyes opened? Are you able to see him? Maybe a deeper question, are your, is your heart and mind open? Are you willing to let the God of the universe lead you? Right now, he's in charge. Are you seeing Jesus as the almighty king and letting him lead in your life? May we follow him. And all of God's people said. That's point number one. Point number two. You gotta love the papers turning. I'll hang on. Point number two, embrace Jesus as the Son of God and King of Israel. Embrace Jesus as the Son of God and King of Israel. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him. So remember, Philip has said, just come and see. And Nathanael's like, all right, let's go. And so he's coming along. Now remember, he's already had a bit of doubt on it, but he's coming along. So Nathanael's walking towards Jesus. Jesus sees Nathanael coming toward him, and he says, behold. And when we see the word behold, we say, dude, when Jesus says behold, check it out. 
Something huge in promise, something huge in miracle is about to happen. Jesus says, behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Just so we're super clear, the name Nathaniel, well, that in the Hebrew means gift of God. Gift of God. So as Jesus begins to describe Nathaniel here, he's actually describing him as a gift of God. Nathaniel, he's saying, you're a gift of God, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Notice he says, you're not deceiving. Your goal isn't to try to twist the truth. You're interested in what's right. You're not deceiving. Notice he did not say, and you're wildly discerning. You're missing the humble me and who I am. I'm going to introduce you to that. He didn't give him high compliment in some areas, but he did say you're at least willing to see the truth and not deceive and not twist along the way. He's like, Nathaniel, with whom there is no deceit. He didn't say you're perfect. Everybody say not that. But he's like, hey, man, you at least care about the truth, and you're coming along, and you're not willing to twist it all up. Nathaniel said to him, how do you know me? Now, I love that moment. Because when you walk up to somebody, and they're like, oh, great Israelite, with whom there is no deceit. <laughs> Wouldn't you be like, oh, come on, man. It's <laughs> he's like, how do you know me? There's a little bit of... Well, you got me nailed. That's who I am. I am a great Israelite, and, and I don't deceive. That is who I am. And he's like, how do you know me? How are you aware of me? And he says, uh, Jesus answered him, before Philip called you. Now, just imagine you're Nathaniel. He's like, how do you know me? And Jesus begins to answer, before Philip called you. You got to picture Nathaniel's face and body language as he's, you start to look up. You know, when somebody asks you to look back in your memory, you like look up, you look to the side, you're like, okay. Like before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree and he snaps, like, how could you know that? Like I was all alone with that. Nobody else was around. There's no phones for Philip to text forward and be like, he was under the fig tree. Just talk about that. (laughs) Like, it's not that. Like, where did this come from? How could you know that? He snaps forward and looks at him. When you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Whoa. Like, there is authority with this guy. There is knowledge with this one. The Messiah is being able to see me even when I'm alone. Just so you know the phrase, under the fig tree. It can be a very physical thing, right, to get under a fig tree. There's good shade that's provided in it, and it probably in part means that, to be able to just relax in the shade. But it's also a bit of a metaphor as well. It was a time that people would take throughout the day to rest in some, from some of the heat, to take time, time to pray, time to reflect, time to worship in the midst This was probably a massive moment for Philip where he's sitting down and he's just taking a deep rest and worship moment with his God, asking a deep, intense question. 
And as he's spending time with his God and thinking things through and praying it out and asking for whatever, all of a sudden it's being addressed. He's like, you know that moment under the fig tree? Dude, I was there with you. I saw you. In that moment, Philip's eyes are being opened to the greatness of Jesus Christ. Men, know this. Your God knows you. And in the middle of your hurt, and in the middle of your questioning, and in the middle of your private crying out to your God, and whatever is going on, your God is right there with you. And he knows you inside and out. Psalm 139, just a phenomenal passage to list some of the details of what we have with him. You can just write the passage down, Psalm 139, but here's a few things it says. Jesus is saying to you, I know when you sit and when you rise. I know that you get up at 4.30 in the morning. Jonna, it's weird. I don't know if he says it's weird, but I say it's weird. Okay. <laughs> He's like, I discern your thoughts. I know what you're thinking and I know what you're wrestling with. I know what you're struggling through. It's like, I am acquainted with all your ways. I know what lifts you up. I know what gets you excited. I know what makes you afraid. I know what gets in your head and starts to make you pull back. I know what brings a smile to your face. I know what brings hope. I'm right here with you. You are not alone. This is your God with you. He knows you and he loves you. And we can be in awe of him. And wherever I go, he is right here with me. There is no separating from God. And when we are saved, when we are trusting in him, hear me, there is nothing that separates us from the love of Jesus Christ. And there is nothing that separates us from his presence. And all of God's people said, Amen. it even says in Psalm 139, that we are knit together in our mother's womb designed by the God of the universe. This is our king. This is who we worship. Man, please hear me. Christianity is not just some journey we go on for a feel-good trip. Christianity is where we put the God of the universe in charge and whatever he says goes and we celebrate him I abide with him. I spend time with him in the ups and in the downs. I am right here with you, God, because you are right here with me. May God get all the glory. Nathaniel's answer, rabbi. It literally means teacher. He's like, okay, I'm in. You're in charge. I'm going to follow. Rabbi. Jesus has shared a little bit of his knowledge of what's going on in Nathaniel's life, and Nathaniel is sold. I am with you, God. 
Thank you for being with me. He says, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Man, this is amazing. This moment of absolutely being blown away and committing himself to who Jesus is. You're the Messiah. That's what he's saying here. The son of God, the king of Israel. You're the Messiah. You're the hoped for one. You're the promised one from Moses. I'm in and I'm following you. May we see Jesus. May we recognize him. And may we bow before him. And all of God's people said, and I'm telling you, this world is pressing in. And this world is going to begin to say that if you bow to that, you're wrong. Are you ready to take that stand? Now. Like it's slipping fast. Are you ready to stand with Jesus Christ and worship the one who is the son of God, the king of Israel? May he get all the glory. You know, this past week we had a First Connections, and it was an awesome start to the, to the year. I, we had over 60 in, at First Connections, like 40-some adults and uh, almost 20 kids, and like just crazy numbers. So like 60 at First Connections. We just spent some time getting stories from each other and laughing a bit and then sharing some history, and we have uh, Mission Barbecue, so it's great meal, and just spend some time together. And man, just a blast hearing from each other. One of the things we do is we go around and uh, share some of the staff details so that people know us, but also hearing from people. Where are you from? How long have you been coming? And ahead of time, I always like to, when I'm at the table, also ask, and so how did you hear about us? Right? It's absolutely amazing what God's doing, but I mean, we had people from way up north, way down south, way over east, way over west, right around the corner, like we have people from all over the place. And as you begin to ask, how did you hear? Well, I heard through a grandchild. And so I'm here worshiping with my grandkids now, or I heard from my children, or my children heard from me. I came first. I'm bringing them in. Like I'm super excited about what God is doing. I heard from a friend at work, right? I I heard from others in my neighborhood. I I heard from, I heard from just wild numbers of all over the place. Here's the reality. The power of God's church growing is in the people being on fire for Jesus Christ and just saying, come and see. I guess all it is. Like, I'm just excited about what God's doing in my life. Love to have you join us if that makes sense. And our goal is not to see any other church weekend. Ready? And all of God's people said. Huge deal. Great that churches stay on fire, but man, may God bless this place and may we honor him as we invite in. And just cool to see so many people from so many walks of life, some walking in deeply hurting and wounded, some walking in just excited and ready to go after it. May God get all the glory. And man, in the midst of it, we worship the king of the universe. He brings healing. He brings hope. He brings future. He brings life. He brings power. We worship the king. And all of God's people said, man, we worship the king. Amen. It's a huge deal. Everybody say, he is king. Louder and bigger. That is why we're here. We rally together as one to simply say, you are king and you're in charge. May we embrace that Jesus is the son of God and the king of Israel. And may we give him our all. And it's a huge call out. So, simple question. 
What is Jesus speaking into your life? What is he revealing about who he is? And are you ready to listen? How is Jesus rocking you and calling you on a journey? Maybe it's as simple as, it's time to refresh your walk with me. Let's go after it together. Maybe it's much deeper. Whatever it is, are you ready to listen to the king, rabbi, teacher, you're in charge? Point number three, expect Jesus to rock your world. Expect Jesus to rock your world. It says, Jesus answered him and said, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? He's like, I said one thing to you. I saw you under the fig tree. I saw you taking a time of rest. I saw you in a time of probably prayer or worship. I was there and aware. I say that one thing and you're in. Look what he says next. You will see greater things than these. I can't imagine the chills that Philip and Nathaniel felt at that moment. I mean, to hear Jesus say, get ready, boys. It's going to be a lot bigger than that. You are going to see the lame walk. You are going to see the blind see. You are going to see lives changed. You are going to see families reunited. You are going to see sin covered. You are going to see this world changed forever. You are going to see the dead rise. And that includes me. And that's what he was talking about when he said, you're going to see greater. It's not just a piece of information. You're going to see life altering moments. Man, our God, as he calls us, says to us, come, Revelation 22. But more than that, he says, I can do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think. Ephesians 3.20. Man, he's saying the same to you today. Come. Greater than these things are coming. Lean in with me. Count on me and trust in me. And Jesus said to him, truly, truly, like, amen, amen, like, this is so true, this is so true. I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Now, what he's talking about here, he's actually pulling in a story from the Old Testament of Jacob when he saw a ladder and the angels ascending and descending. And he's like, just so I'm super clear, there's going to be a communication from heaven to earth and back again. There is going to be a world-altering experience, and angels are going to be a part of it, and I'm going to be the ladder coming down me and up me. I am the access. The king of the universe has stepped into this world, and I'm going to be welcoming in my creation from both sides, connecting them together. Jesus is like, I'm just telling you big things are coming as the God of the universe is right here with you. Jesus is the ladder. He's the access. He's the means to the communication with God. And he's even the message. He is the God of the universe in flesh and blood, our King. He's the means and the message. He's like, Nathaniel, you're going to see me lead like you would not believe. Nathaniel, you're going to see 
heaven dwelling here on earth in and through me. You're going to see miracle work and almighty power. Your jaw is going to drop. Here's a simple question. Could it be that what Nathaniel was actually contemplating under the fig tree was what is this whole Jacob thing with the ladder and the angels going up and down? And all of a sudden Jesus says, you're going to see the angels coming up and down on the Son of Man. And all of a sudden his worship explodes. Man, this is a massive moment. Our God pulls together our prayer life and our struggles, our hurts, and our worship. Our God rallies together all that's going on in our lives, and as he prepares your week, he walks you into this place. And as we start to open up the word, it's what he's been working on in your whole week. I've had so many over the years that come up and they're like, dude, it's like you know exactly what's going on in my life. Rest assured, I do not. (laughs) It's not me knowing. But God knows exactly what's going on, and he's working in your life and preparing you and prepping you. A message of hope for this week. Here is who I am, and this is what's going on in your life, and I am ready to blow you away. Are you ready to have a deep, abiding relationship, no matter the circumstances, with your king? the Son of Heaven, the Almighty God, the one who is our hope and our life, the one who is going to bring for us salvation and so much more. Man, as you look to the cross that we put up here, more than just sin covered, more than just He's alive risen off of the cross, there is a vine of hope and life as He feeds us as we grow in his glory, may God get all the praise. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold the Son of God. Behold the Son of Heaven who is calling you and saying, come, let's spend time together this week. May God get all the glory. And all of God's people said, let's pray. 